Now let's look at the word, what we are going to hear this morning. Are you ready? Okay, turn with me to Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 37. Acts 2, thank you for participating in this poll, we get a fair idea. Um, by the way, we didn't tell you this, all those who scored, we know who they are. <laughs> So if you think that we don't know, I don't know. Mark knows. <laughs> no, we're just kidding. All right? We're not going to waste our time on it. <laughs> right? Acts chapter 4, verse 30 to 37. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that they had any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them at all that there were no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sale and put it on the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now when you read Acts chapter 4, 32 to 37, when you read Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, are quite similar. Let me read that for you. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and the, and the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple course. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Acts. Thank you for the life of disciples, uh, apostles. Lord, they left us something for us to look forward. So I pray God, help us. As we look into this passage, Lord, help us to see this great church, how they came to that place, how they became a great church. And lead us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at few aspects from this passage. First, teaching. Now, teaching was one of the primary thing in the book of Acts. You see that when the Holy Spirit came upon the men and women who were in the upper room, Peter stood up with the leaven and he began to teach. He began to preach and many were saved. And they, they preached so powerfully. You read the sermon, the first sermon preached by Peter in the book of Acts and then what he shared in the book of uh, Acts chapter 4 is quite similar. And I think it is, it's very important that when you see success, you don't change your message. Sometimes success can actually take us away from the centrality of the gospel. The centrality of the gospel is this. 
Jesus Christ came, lived, died and rose again. He died for the sins of mankind. We were not deserving his mercy and grace, but he, he gave it to us. If anyone, anyone who believes in Jesus Christ can receive salvation for their life. Right? An eternal life. So that, that, and so the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, preaching of the cross is so vital for us. So otherwise people can see success and they began to shape the church and the activities based on the demand from the people. We can, we can incorporate people and we must make sure that everything is done, but we must never move away from the centrality of the cross and the sermon, uh, which we see it in the book of Acts. Are you with me? Right. So there is a great emphasis on, on learning. There's a great emphasis on teaching. And I want to look at, I want us to look at a few things. They said they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What was the apostles' teachings? Was it the epistles? Was it uh, the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John? No. No, it's not a poll again. So it's, it's just I'm giving you, it was not the epistles, it was not the four gospels, it was the Old Testament. It was the Old Testament when Jesus, when even when Jesus taught, he was actually teaching things of the Old Testament. He was not teaching from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and um, um, Mark. He was actually teaching from the Old Testament. So it's not that he has come to he has come to take away the Old Testament. Some people believers believe that you know, oh, we don't need the Old Testament. The New Testament is enough. See, the law has come to us through the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it's said about Jesus, grace and truth has come to us through Jesus Christ. So the grace is has come attached to the truth. The, the, the truth is now presented to us in grace. Right? So it's very important that we understand that. So this, this group of people, they were so devoted themselves to the apostles teaching so they were looking at all that what jesus taught them the sermon on the mount the parables all these things they began to teach their people now for those of you if you're a if you're a new christian especially you got to be very careful that you are not just shaping your life based on the endless messages that are available on on youtube and other iTunes and wherever you can actually get it from different places. Please, it is not a substitute for you reading Bible and growing in God. It is so important, especially in these times, because maybe 2000 years ago, it was not so much because there were the written word of the scrolls and other things. It was not easily available in everybody's hand. The so there is an advantage of having Bible in everyone's hand, but there is the other side to it, is this, that it is so plenty so that you can actually um, so misinterpret the scripture sometimes. So YouTube messages and other messages is not a substitute for our own Bible reading. Are you with me? Those of you music lovers, 
your listening of the gospel music is also not a substitution for your Bible reading. And those of you receive one scripture a day through your mobile, and that's all you have, your Bible reading for the day, it is like having one almond in the morning. Yeah? Almonds are good things. So, so that one scripture is like one almond you take and rest of the day you're not eating. After one month or maybe two months, almonds will continue to be there. You will not be there. That's true. Because you're only living on that one almond that you get. But you are called to actually feed on the word of God. So teaching, learning, and correctly handling the scripture is vitally important for us. Uh, the Bereans in the Bible, in the book of Acts, what they did, they heard the apostles teaching and they then researched and searched on the scriptures and say that, you know, they heard them preach whether this is matching with what the scripture says. The written scrolls, you know, in those days it was in scrolls. Whether is this matching with that? It is important that we do that. So for us, it's not that we, this church has been here for 31 years. We always put high priority in actually preaching the correct word. Now, sometimes when we share one sentence here and there may have gone, but that is not an intention, intentional thing to actually communicate the wrong message. It is just the way someone have presented. I made mistakes um, um, many years ago, many, many years ago, I was not preaching. I was, um, you know, I stood up before the church because people were not participating well enough enthusiastically during the worship. And I said, you know, speak the truth and shame the devil. It is in the Bible. Do you know that? It is not in the Bible. <laughs> Please do not think that. It is not in the Bible. <laughs> so, so I'm saying that was not, a, you know, we, we don't make that kind of, we don't want to make that kind of, but if you feel that someone has made a mistake, go up to that person and say, hey, I feel that, you know, this is what I feel. I don't know whether it was a mistake. The way you present is also so important. It is not just speaking the truth. It is speaking the truth in love. Right? Number two, in this whole thing, that passage that we read, is the first is about the importance of learning, teaching, and researching the scripture, verifying it, not to find fault. I think that's a bad spirit. You know, you can hear a whole sermon for 35 to 40 minutes and, and you know, we picked up one, one, one grammatical error or one um, sentence. You miss the point. We are not here to do that. But the idea is, if something has gone horribly wrong, go to that person and make an attempt to actually. And if that person doesn't receive, come and talk to us. We'll be very happy to communicate. Every Tuesday, every Tuesday, I mentioned this before, we as a leadership team, 10 of us sit together and we pray, we discuss things and we review the Sunday. How the worship went, how the anchoring, so Savio is going to be discussed on Tuesday as well. <laughs> how the anchoring went. And then the feedback is given to that person. How the preaching went, did, uh, did it stick to the text and 
the message was communicated well was there anything wrong was there anything anything could have done better all these things that is how we improve ourselves so there is a place for you also to participate but not with the attitude of oh, i'm going to find fault that's all i do that's not what we should do we should speak the truth in love number 2 unity <coughs> the it says um luke tells us that in the book of acts the full number of those who believed were one in heart the unity that we are talking about it is a heart matter how many of you agree that see you can have there are many organizations they present themselves you know they all all dress up in the same sometimes they all dress up in white sometimes they all dress up in another color they carry the same um, badge same hat we are not into uniformity brothers and sisters we are in for unity uniformity is very different there are churches function in uniformity you can have everybody wearing uniform hat badges you know all these stripes there's a section of people like that then there's another section of people they only wear white no ornaments some wear always cover their hair see we are not going to actually ask people to do that but if you want to do it don't even even force you, somebody else to do that that's not the that's not the unity that we are looking for we are looking for unity of heart unity of heart is so important than just uniformity so for example i shared this in the first service it is it is very difficult for everyone in the church to have wonderful same level of relationship with everyone you will not be able to do that in a family your family is four or five people there are differences in the family itself isn't it so i'm we are not looking for that kind of unity we are looking for it is not necessarily that we see eye to eye on things all the time no we will not be able to see eye to eye i'm not saying deliberately do something that will cause a friction or disunity all i'm suggesting is this when we you know when we struggle with certain people not necessarily oh i can't see eye to eye this person there are no issues but i just don't like i'm different i'm different she is different he is different and i'm different but in that sense we can't we may not be able to see eye to eye but we can be shoulder to shoulder right see otherwise we'll always think that you know oh i can't see so i'll not break bread no i will not do this i will not go to this church i'll go to another church when you leave this church and go to another church you'll find another one there also you can't see eye to eye so it is see we are called to live together in unity right in that we are not just looking at each other's eyes we are actually standing shoulder to shoulder in moving forward aw tozer puts it so beautifully it says that uh, has it ever occurred to you that 100 piano- pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other it's a question there are of they are of one accord being tuned not to each other but to another standard which each one must individually 
bow. Have you seen this tuning fork? Tuning fork is something like this in a U shape with a with a with a with a stick on the bottom. Um, what they do is, in order to tune a piano, say for example, that tuning fork has a particular note. So if you hit that and keep it on a surface on top of the piano, it actually gives you that sound, it, uh, that music note. So you tune your first string according to that, and then you can actually tune the rest of the piano. But it's not that first piano, second piano is not tuned to the first piano. Or the tenth piano is not tuned to the ninth piano. Or the ninety-ninth piano is not tuned to the hundredth piano. It is all tuned to that tuning fork. Similarly, Jesus Christ is what we focus for. We are not just existing for the sake of unity only. Because we focus on Jesus, it is not that I'm comparing myself with my fellow brother or sister. We are all comparing. We are all looking up drawing our perfection, drawing our qualities, not from each other, though you may benefit, but we are drawing from Jesus Christ. In it, there is more unity. Are you with me? Otherwise, I can get along with my fellow brother for some time, something goes wrong with him, then I'm discouraged. That's why we always say, follow the leader, but you know, something that Sometimes people put so much of uh, their their trust and confidence and you know they said they want to imitate the leader they want to dress like the leader they want to they want to talk like the leader and the leader falls and that person is completely torn apart brothers and sisters don't be like that we are always called to tune our life with Jesus Christ in it, we'll find unity. Jesus desires, Jesus said, you know, Father, like you and I are one, so they may be one. He could have easily said that, you know, comparing themselves with other leaders, what about them? Let their unity be like Moses. Let their unity be like David. Let their unity be like uh, other people. David, probably the man who actually wrote one of the finest finest psalms on unity in Psalm 133 says how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like oil, precious oil poured on Aaron running down from his beard onto the hem, you know, to his garment and to the hem of his garment. Why he used that? illustration. Why use that psalm to, to illustrate that point of oil and Aaron? I'll tell you. When Aaron, he was a high priest, the chief high priest, only he was allowed to go into the 
holy of holies in the tabernacle to offer sacrifice. Anyone else entered that place, any anything to do with unholiness, that person would have dropped dead in the presence of God. And they would still have a rope tied around them because no one else could go in and take this dead body, but they used to drag his body out and the next one went in. Aaron was the high priest and it was constituted at that time for this oil that poured on Aaron, the perfume, the, the scented oil. As it was poured on, hundreds and thousands of people, hundreds and thousands of people in the camp understood. They couldn't see Aaron like we see on the television screen. They couldn't see Aaron, but they could get the fragrance. They could get the fragrance that, you know, the, the chief priest is now been anointed and he's entering into the Holy of Holies. Here is my question. How is it your life in your family? How is it your life in your workplace? The society that you live, the community that you are involved and active are you an agent of unity or are you an agent of disunity? Because many a times we think that this is what we should do and not necessarily that we have contributed much to unity. So, May those images remain fresh in our hearts as we move to the next point, which is, so first we looked at the importance of the word, teaching, learning, reading, growing, searching. Next one was unity. We are all called to look to Jesus. Otherwise we can focus so much on ourselves. Let's focus on Jesus. And now we're going to look at the grace of God. It says all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that they, uh, that any of their possessions were their own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Everyone, everyone enjoyed the grace of God. What is this grace that we talk about? We often hear that. It's, you know, you, it's not that we put a banner on our forehead or just a badge on our cloak, you know, bearing a badge on our chest and saying that, you know, grace, grace. It's not even just saying grace, brothers and sisters. Grace is something we must understand. Our beginning of understanding the grace is this. We didn't deserve it in the first place. All that what we enjoy for example, salvation. We were so, so badly separated from God. We were dead in our transgressions, but it is by His grace He has given us salvation. By faith in Jesus Christ. So, grace is starting from a place where for us, none of us can say that I deserve to have the grace of God. I deserve his mercy. I deserve his forgiveness. No, brothers and sisters, none of us deserve anything. But he gave it to us by his grace. He gave it to us 
by his grace. Again, I'm asking a question here. How are we growing in grace? Can we, are we growing in grace? Can we grow in grace? How are we communicating things in grace? Think how we talk to each other. One of the hallmark of a graceful person, I'm not saying that's the only thing, one of the hallmark of a graceful person is that person would be a person of gratitude. See, we, when we come to God, we're not just demanding things. We want to, all, we want to thank Him for the, the numerous things that He has already done for us, isn't He? Has He, has He given you things beyond your expectation? Has He? He has given amazing things for us. But how are we, how are we being thankful to Him for what He has done? If you are not a thankful person, Probably it is an indication that you may have to grow in the grace of God. Now some of you may be thinking that I am I'm doing my job, my boss is, you know, has not given me a good appraisal. He's given me 4.5, last year I got 7. Maybe this boss is too harsh. Can I just encourage you to have a change of mindset? Rather than telling 10 other people how bad the boss is, maybe you want to go back and change and say that, you know, hey, I just want to thank you for being a good boss. Maybe he has not given you a good appraisal. I'm not saying that flatter them for better appraisal. But you grow as a grateful person, a thankful person from your your life. Now, many a times we understand grace we talk about it but i don't think we practice much just give you an example i've shared this before traffic signal light is red orange and green now let me ask you a question how many of you know that yes it is an indication but how many of you know that the traffic signal does not have a power to stop you from breaking the signal. Do you know that? It does not have power to stop you from breaking the signal. It actually shows you should not cross. It shows you you should slow down or it shows you you must proceed. But it never, if you just cross, it will not, traffic light will not come after you. Hey, pull you back and say that, stop, go back. I watched you. It's not even watching you. It is there to show you it is red. It's dangerous to move forward. Slow down. Now it is green. You can go. You know that? Law was like that in the Old Testament. Law, what God gave it to Moses, showed the Israelites, this is wrong. You must not cross this. You must not do this. It says in Leviticus chapter 19, this morning I read, it says that, you know, you should not follow your old ways which you, when you were in Egypt and you should not pick up things from the Canaanites where you are going. You ought to worship me. You ought to worship me. 
I'm giving you a whole new set of things to follow. Precepts, my commandments. This is what you need to follow. There's something that you practice in the beginning. Something that you will see where you're going. But that both are not good for you. What I'm giving you is actually good for you. But people saw like a traffic signal. Red is supposed to stop. They're not supposed to do certain things. But they went ahead and did it. That's why it says grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. When grace and truth came, the situation was very different. Now, it is not only that it's showing us you're not supposed to cross the signal, but it is enabling us not to cross the signal. Enabling us. See, if we don't understand that, we will often fall into the law. We often think that I must be a law keeper. And look at your own life sometime. Maybe because that understanding is not correct, maybe you will operate from more from a, from, a, from a legalistic perspective. But whereas we, we were not saved because of law, you are saved because of grace. And the grace must be communicated every day. Ask yourself, how was your, how was your week that has gone by? How gracious you were with one another. How you communicated things. How grateful you were to your parents. Children often go through this struggle. They are, they are, they are good, but they are sometimes they are not grateful. They, they, some children feel that I shouldn't have born to this parent, so I should have born to somebody else. They think that way. I should have born to someone who is more richer, more good looking, more this... It is says it is appointed for man, but it is appointed by God for man to, where he should live and where he should stay. So right now, if you are in this place, it is God appointed time for you. Right? So there is, there is that kind of aspect that we need to see. So also talk about the power of God in this passage. With great power, the apostles continue to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and God's grace was so powerfully, so powerfully at work in them all. That is a small lesson for each one of us. There's something that we can preach the gospel and live a normal life, but then we also have living so powerfully. Every day as we, as we did, you know, as we Dedicate ourselves to study the word and grow in grace and grow in unity. Great power will come out of us. And others will get to see our life. And God will empower us on a daily basis. Empower us on a daily basis to become better Christians. And finally, care. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one can claim that the, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. 
For from time to time, those who own land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sale and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had a need. I don't know whether you noticed that. None of these things were done by twisting their arms or forcing. Who asked them to sell their land? Who asked them to sell their possession? Nobody told them. They did it. They did it because they were spirit-filled community. They were people of unity. They were people of grace. They were people of the word. They did that. Now, sometimes, I know that in the New Testament, it doesn't talk about tithing. It refers in the Old Testament, there is to tithe. In the New Testament, it doesn't talk about tithing. What does it actually, New Testament actually teaches us? In First Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 5 and 9, it says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know that about the grace that God has given us, the, given the Macedonian churches, in the midst of a very severe trial, please note the word severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So they had trouble, but they were joyful. They had poverty, but they exercised generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. Did you notice that? The people were pleading with the apostles that can we participate in giving? Part, can we participate in reaching out to those people who are in need? Very often we get stuck in the material thing, money, money. But that money is important, but I'm not saying that money was not the only thing. This church, they were reaching out with material care hospitality, we talked about Satkar 2020, we are encouraging people to participate in that and we giving them to the church and helping those in need. Helping those in need. Can I just make a caution here? Sometimes you walk into a church like that and you think that, oh, there is an opportunity here to actually promote my business here. I'm doing a X, Y, Z business things. Oh, I see this person is a potential client. That one is a potential. Don't look at the church that way. The church is not a place to look at your business opportunity. It's a place for you to grow. It's a place for us to grow together. And there are people, why am I sharing this? As a, as a leader of the church, I know people have made foolish decisions and come back and told us, Oh, we didn't know this person is like this. They've invested in certain things. They gave money. And uh, oh, we thought that this person will multiply it, give it to us back. Didn't happen. Money is gone. Person is gone. If you had to actually come and have a conversation much before you even entered into that possibility, we would have helped you. There are two types of people I see in church. Some come to us and say, uh, we are thinking about this. Do you have any counsel for us? 
whether it is business marriage you know staying here moving location job etc etc see we are not asking everyone to come you know the so but people come would you like to pray with us we don't know what decision we feel this is in god but we just want to know whether this is the right thing we did that survey right but then there is another section of people who come we have decided to do this can you pray for us we pray for both the first one we give our view not sometimes actually to help many people because they asked us then there are the other section of people who come to us and say we have decided to do this we just want you to pray and bless we'll pray and bless but there is safety in the first model there is security in the first one not in the second one so then people have gone ahead and done what they had to do and hit a dead wall and they said can you pray for us now we pray for them there also we are here to pray we are here to encourage but you must understand when things go wrong like that maybe just sit back and think where did things go wrong actually oh dear we made a decision instead of that make before made that decision if you have to take the counsel the bible says isn't it there is wisdom in the counsel of many many doesn't mean that many people you ask everyone and you know sometimes you ask 10 different people the god appointed certain people in the framework of the church as leaders and responsible men and women go and talk to them they're not going to govern your life but they're there to help you are you with me so this is a pastor's talk so today it is you know not about faith and you know let's go for i'm talking to you as a pastor i feel we must have these kind of conversation every now and then so that people don't fall into difficulty and then again when people fall into we are pastors so we still reach out to them i'm saying if we can grow from a good church to a great church let's put these blocks in place right so the macedonian church gave not because they were rich but they had they were poor but their hearts were joyful and generous i want to encourage this church is a great giving church but i also know that there are people who have openly said that, oh we don't believe in tithing we don't believe in this that that's up to you that's up to you entirely we teach see in the new testament there is nothing called 10% but in the new testament salvation has come to us free we didn't have to sacrifice bulls and goats and doves and for forgiveness of our sin sin offering that offering this offering it has come to us purely by believing in jesus christ salvation has come to us so when this has come to us if we are not dealing not dealing with god in percentage we are dealing with god from our heart everything that we have is actually from god we keep some for our expenses and we say to god god is yours rest is yours for some felt that you know oh, i don't believe in that i kept i have i have all these years i maintained that position it's good for you it's good for you you maintain that position my my point you know this is my understanding if those who give generously to the kingdom for the church and the the the, the furtherance of the mission activities 
they are best investors they are the best investors and for those who felt that no, no i will not keep i'll keep this also for me you are best hoarder <laughs> you hoarded your finance and you thought it is going to multiply it will never multiply you can keep you can keep looking at it and it will be there for you but those who are invested after your retirement you just keep getting the returns right so this we are not going to take up offering after this that's for be relax there's no more poll after that this how much you are giving that's not the whole idea it is there in the scripture so i have to speak about it that's how god sees god sees our heart brothers and sisters if you don't want to give that's entirely up to you you know but if you are giving a generous person may the lord bless this church i know there are numerous people that so generous in the way they it'll blow your mind the generosity but for those who are not grown into that may i just plead with you for your own sake grow in the grace of giving grow in the grace of giving <clears throat> all right finally jesus said a new commandment i give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another grow in the word grow in unity grow in the grace of god grow in generosity caring for the need of people but apply certain guidelines and caution in order so that we will not have to have much heartache i want you to close your eyes please there was a man called saint ignatius he said this about the early church it was a church worthy of god worthy of honor worthy of congratulations worthy of praise worthy of success worthy in purity preeminent in love walking in the law of christ and bearing the father's name and then the question i want to ask you is this what about this church today i'm including myself not only living hope church in today's church we build great buildings but do but do we build great people we may have well oiled missionary and programs that are envy of others but how do we compare with the early church i want to give you a few moments for you to actually ponder on that when i say church you are included if you feel any of those areas maybe in the area of the word learning teaching growing in the word maybe in the area of unity maybe for grace maybe for generosity care if any of those areas that you feel i need to grow i'm not even saying that i know it's a good church but you're saying i want to grow in that area particularly in that area i need to grow in that area i want you to respond i'm giving you few seconds to think about it and if you feel i need to grow in this area i'm not saying that every area maybe one or two areas maybe just one 
if you are in that place whichever whichever place you are i just want you to stand and i will pray and then we'll end let me this read this for you brothers and sisters when the church is great there is a hunger to learn the word there is greatness in unity as believers heart beat together in spiritual oneness their fellowship of soul puts their common focus upon christ and the word world sees such great unity it is impacted by the grace flowing from the church great grace to greater grace there is also great power people come to believe because they see resurrection life in the church and when the church is like this there is great care and generosity and his people and his people expand their lives to help one another hence grow to great church so father i thank you for your word thank you for those who responded to the, today's message those heard it and those responded it lord i am standing here because i know i need to grow in all of those areas not just one i need to grow help me lord help my brothers and help this church i make this prayer in jesus name amen